0: Let me invite you to open it up with me today to the New Testament book of Hebrews. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 10 today. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, we'll have it on the screen for you as well. From death to life, from deserving judgment to receiving mercy, from not being God's people to being invited to come on into the very presence of the Most High God. That's the message that we gather this morning to celebrate. And I realize there may be all kinds of reasons that you are here today, that you've gathered in this place on this Easter Sunday. But for Christians, we have reason to celebrate. We have reason to sing. We are here today to celebrate, to celebrate that Jesus is alive, that Jesus conquered sin, that conquered death. We are here to celebrate an empty tomb and a risen Savior and access to the very presence of God. That's the message of the Bible and that's the message of Easter. And so let me invite you this morning to hear that message with me from none other than God himself. We want to hear from the Lord and so we open his word today to hear from him. But before we do, before we read this Hebrews text, let me tell you a little bit about where we've been as a church recently on Sunday mornings. We've been studying, journeying through the book of Exodus, the story of Exodus where God hears the cries of an oppressed people, the descendants of Abraham that he has promised to enter into relationship With And he comes to the rescue after hundreds of years of slavery under a heavy-handed tyrant in a foreign land. He comes to the rescue and he delivers them. He delivers them physically, but he delivers them to be in a special relationship with him. And so he leads them out of that place and toward a promised land. And then the Lord says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to dwell among you. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And so he instructs them to build a house of worship. Instructs them to build a, a tabernacle, a meeting place that's later replaced by this temple that we just watched the video of. But there in that tabernacle, that tabernacle had a courtyard. And in the courtyard was an altar where sacrifices for sin were constantly made so that worshipers, sinful worshipers, could come before the presence of God. But they could not go in the tent. Only the priests could enter the tent. The tent was divided up into two spaces, the holy place that the priest serviced, and then the most holy place for the high priest. And he could only go there on one day a year, on the Day of Atonement, and only in the way that God had prescribed. You see, this was a place of separation. God would reside among his people, but they would be separate from him. It was a place of restricted access. the, The most holy place was that innermost part of this sanctuary, separated by a thick curtain where God would dwell. Among his people, that sort of reminded me as I thought about that of going over to friends houses as a child and uh, sort of assessing early on uh, what spaces were off limits in someone else 's house and often one of those spaces might be the master bedroom right this is where uh, the parents reside this is where the owner of the house resides that 's where they live, so to speak. Well, the most holy place was where God would reside. It was a sacred space reserved only. For this high priest and only on the right day and in the right way. In fact, listen to what God says about entering that space in Leviticus chapter 16. The Lord says to Moses, he says, tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark or else he will die. No unauthorized entry. That's what God said. And so this morning, as we prepare to read this text, we want to hear what the Bible has to say about that space, ultimately about access to God, about the presence of God in light of Christ's coming, His living, His dying, and His rising. And so as you find your place there in the Bible, let me invite you, as is our practice here at Meadowbrook, to join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's Holy word. We do this out of reverence for the Lord, acknowledging that we are hearing from Him. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, the Bible reads this way. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is His body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Would you pause with me in prayer? And so, Father, now, even now, right now, Lord, we invite your Spirit to speak to us through your Word. Lord, we want to hear from you. So, so speak, for we are listening. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as you well know, there's another uh, high-profile trial in the news, the trial of Officer Derek Chauvin uh, for the death of George Floyd. And without getting into all the details of that case, our desire ought to be for justice to be served any time that someone is on Trial. We hope that the evidence is displayed, that uh, the jury takes the evidence into consideration and ultimately deliberates and makes the right decision. I want to pause this morning as we begin and pose the question, what if, what if you were the one on trial? What if I was the one on trial? What, what if you were on trial standing before the jury and judge awaiting the verdict? What if it was you whose actions were being scrutinized and examined? Now, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be on trial. I don't, I don't want to be examined in that way. And yet, the Word of God, the Bible, suggests that I'm on trial, that we're on trial, that we're on trial before our Maker. For our Maker is a judge. He's a perfect judge. Meaning that He never, ever... Gets it wrong. One day I will stand on trial before the judge. If God were to judge you, what would his verdict be? What would his complete and perfect justice demand? Does your life reflect total allegiance to your maker? Mine doesn't. Be honest with you. My life looks a whole lot like Chris. His interests, his desires, his wants, his expectations, his needs, his issues. And the moment I choose my way over God's way, I'm guilty. Left to myself, I am guilty. And friends, so are you. For the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of. God, every one all have sinned and fallen short. All are guilty. Before God I mean and every one of us is wrong, God, we are guilty. Some have no problem admitting this. We know full well our faults and failures. Others maybe not so much because we actually think we're pretty good folks. But whatever the case, what matters is not how we measure ourselves, but how God measures us. And according to his standard, on our own, we are guilty, all of us. Praise God, friends. We're not here this morning to wallow in our guilt. We're here to celebrate the removal of it. God's removal of our guilt. If you came today because of a guilty conscience, or if you came today out of religious duty or moral obligation, I hope you leave today with an overwhelming sense Of God's incredible grace. He is gracious. The Bible says that he is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. He is a perfect judge. He is just in every way. And yet he is gracious to us. For on Good Friday, the curtain that once separated these spaces that separated guilty worshipers from God's glorious and holy presence was torn in two. The way was open. The barrier was removed, inviting weak And wounded sinners into the very presence of God. Inviting us to come right on in to God's presence through an all-sufficient Savior. You see, it wasn't like that before. Before the year A.D. 30, the way was closed. For centuries, God invited worshipers to come with animal sacrifices. But no animal was ever sufficient to really pay the price of human sins. In fact, the author of Hebrews says it is impossible, impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. You know, it's springtime. We know this. We've had some cold nights recently, but some beautiful days. We know it is spring and springtime means a lot of things. One of the things that spring often means is weeds. Anybody have weeds in their yard? Don't call me. I hate pulling weeds. Pulling weeds is one of those things you never notice how many weeds are there until you actually get down and begin looking and start pulling up all the stuff that you don't want there. And it seems like as soon as you get all the weeds up, what happens this time of year? Well, they start coming right back. They begin growing once again. And this endless cycle is like the Old Testament sacrificial system that God instituted for a season For a time, just as soon as a sinner sacrificed an animal, the sinner would then go on and sin again, right? Like a child who's disciplined before long. They're doing the same thing, needing more discipline. A temporary system made ineffective by our constant sin. We are sinners. If you could spray your lawn once and guarantee complete removal of weeds and never have to pull weeds again, I'm sure you would take advantage of that. And likewise, if there was a once and for all sacrifice that would cover all of your sins and cleanse you for forever, you'd want to take advantage of that too. Well, friends, that sacrifice has been made. God's perfect lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, God's perfect lamb is his pure son. The Christ who never, ever sinned, the only one to never sin. Through him our guilt is erased and our sins are removed forever. Friends, praise be to God for a better way. What was impossible has become possible through Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, Hebrews says, we have confidence to come on in. Confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Friends, Jesus gives access to God. Jesus gives access to God. What was formerly restricted by penalty of death is now open because the price has been paid. Jesus did pay it all. All to him do we owe. The price has been paid for whosoever will receive the one who paid it in faith. Jesus gives access to To God by dying as our substitute. He died as our substitute, as your substitute and mine, in our place. That's why we call Friday before Easter good, because on it, Jesus paid it all. He paid the price. He laid down his perfect life in place of imperfect, sinful people, taking what we deserve and giving us what only He deserves. The Bible states that this way. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Likewise, in 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who had no sin, the sinless one, Jesus, to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What does it mean to exchange our sin for his righteousness? It means we're no longer counted guilty because the penalty of our sin has been paid in full by someone else. This is good news. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If it means no condemnation, if it means no guilt before God, I don't know about you, but sign me up. I'll take it. I'd like to be in Christ Jesus. I'd like that status. And those who trust Jesus for salvation are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? To be in Christ Jesus is to have a restored relationship with God. You see, Jesus provides access to God dying as our substitute and serving as our priest. The Bible says he serves as our priest, saying here, we have a great priest over the house of God was a priest. It's a mediator, right? Between sinful people and a holy God, a go-between. Jesus is a great priest. Why? Because he's a permanent priest. All other priests who went before him died. Not to rise. But this one rose again. He's a permanent mediator, for he's alive never to die again. Jesus stands forever interceding for us, the Bible says, pleading our case, pleading on behalf of us before God, pleading the case of all who put their faith in him. The perfect priest has become the pure and substitutionary sacrifice, reconciling sinners to God. So, friend, I plead with you this morning, put your faith in Jesus and be reconciled to God. Put your faith in Christ and be reconciled to God today. Be made right with God now and forever. Unbeliever, this is for you. If that is you, this admonition is for you. If you don't identify as a follower of Jesus and based on God's clear word, I plead with you today. Put your faith in Jesus and be reconciled to God. Don't trust your own efforts, your knowledge, Your wisdom, your skills, your accomplishments, your pursuits, your riches, your hard work, your attempts even to help others or to please God. For none of these things can remove the stain of your guilt. Only Jesus can remove the stain. Which is why Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, none, no one can come to the Father except through me. Paul, the apostle, would say God presented Jesus, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Mending that relationship, a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith, a gift to be received. A gift that's been offered and ready to be received. Have you received the gift? Have you put your faith in Christ's sacrifice? Is your faith in Jesus? Friends, through Jesus and Jesus alone, we have access to God. And since He gives us access, we can know and enjoy God. Since He gives us access, the way has been opened into relationship, a reconciled relationship with God, we can enjoy what we were made to do, to know the One who made us and to walk with Him, to trust in Him, to enjoy Him. We can know and enjoy God now, right now. We can go before the Father through Jesus the Son because the way has been opened. He did it. He accomplished it. He defeated sin for us. His blood covers us and cleanses us. He tore the veil. He opened the way. He even arose from the dead, just as he said. And even though he said it and God promised it, people still didn't believe it. Shocking in that day. Shocking today. People don't normally rise from the dead. I stayed up late last night watching the Last basketball game, anybody stay up and watch the final four? Some of you, I was about ready to go to sleep, but went to overtime, and then I uh, was about to fall asleep, and all of a sudden, an incredible buzzer beater uh, from well behind the three-point line made by Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga, and I, I couldn't believe it. But given their reputation, perhaps I should have believed it. This was a good team. I haven't lost yet, going to the championship game. Well, given the one who made the promise, his friends had every reason to believe it, to know that Jesus would indeed rise from the dead, that God's promises would be fulfilled. He arose from the dead. He'd given us unhindered and unhurried access to God for forever. Friends, since Jesus gives us access, we can know and enjoy God, approaching God confidently and frequently. Approaching Him confidently and frequently. Do you have a relationship with God? And you say without a shadow of a doubt that I have a relationship with God through Jesus the Son. That you talk to Him. That you hear from Him. That you read His Word. That you're walking with Him. When you witness the beauty of creation, do you praise Him? When when you have everything you need, do you thank Him? When your life falls apart, do you cry out to Him? Well, brothers and sisters, let us draw near to God. The text says, let's come into his presence. Let's draw near to him with a sincere heart and with a full assurance, the full assurance that faith brings. Christian, we can run to God elsewhere in Hebrews chapter 4. The Bible says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Friends, God is a God of mercy and grace. He is full of unfailing love, deep, deep love for us. May we run to Him and rest in Him, rest in Jesus Christ, for in Christ God has shown you mercy. Salvation is by grace alone. It's undeserved. We can't earn it. It's a gift freely given. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And if... Your faith is in Christ alone. Then rest assured that God welcomes you into his house. For your guilt has been washed away. So come on in to the presence of God. Clinging to hope. Clinging to the hope of eternity. Clinging to the hope of eternity. Since we can enter through the blood of Christ. And since we have a great priest who represents us in the house of God. Let us draw near to God. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Because the one who promised it is faithful. What is our hope? Brothers and sisters, our hope is eternity. It is another time and place with the one who gave his life for us and has been raised from the dead. Our hope is eternity. Life beyond the grave with no tornadoes or tragedies. With no Parkinson's. Or pandemics. No divorce or disease. No sickness or sadness. No car wrecks or cancer. Only the perfect provision of unbroken fellowship with God and his people. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, the tomb is empty. Christ is alive. He is reigning today. He's alive and reigning on high today. Death is defeated. Our sin debt has been paid. And because he's alive, we too have also been raised spiritually. And we're anticipating another resurrection. We're anticipating a future physical resurrection upon Christ Jesus' return. And so we celebrate and we rejoice today. For since Jesus gives us access, we can know and enjoy God. We can approach Him confidently. We can cling to the hope of eternity. And we have the privilege of practicing the faith collectively. Practicing the faith collectively. Together with other followers of Jesus who have been raised by God's grace. Are you practicing the faith with other believers? Are you committed to Christ as well as His people? Our text for this morning ends this way. And let us consider... How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the day of our Lord's return, as you see the day approaching, don't miss the we and us language that's all over this passage we have considered this morning Brothers and sisters, since we, open for us, since we have, let us, our hearts, cleanse us, our bodies, let us, the hope we profess, let us. You get the point. It's a message to the people. People of faith collectively who are in community together, who are committed to Christ and each other. So here's the deal. It's good to attend church on Easter, but it will not save you. Only Christ Can save you. It's good to watch a Bible teaching church or teacher on television or the internet, but it will not grow you in relationship with other believers. It's convenient, it's comfortable to stay in bed and watch a live stream online. And certainly we, many of us have had to participate in a lot of that over the last year in a unique set of circumstances. But for the long haul, it is not church. By definition, church is a gathering of believers committed to Christ and each other, serving one another, encouraging one another, and teaching one another, and anticipating the return of Jesus Christ together. So, friend, I don't know your condition before God today. I don't know if you're trusting in yourself or if you're trusting in Jesus. I don't know if you came today because it's Easter or you're committed to a local church, this or another one all year long. But wherever you are, whoever you are, hear God's gracious invitation to you today to know and to walk with Him. Friend, walk with Jesus. Walk with Jesus Christ day by day. Walk with Jesus daily. Walk with Him. Enter a relationship with Him. Rest in him. Trust him. He is trustworthy. Put your faith in him, for he is faithful and he cares for you. Commune with him. Give yourself to him, for he gave himself for you. Read his word. Hear from him. Put your faith in him and give your heart to him. Walk with Jesus daily, but don't walk with him alone. Go the journey with his people. Go the journey with other followers of Jesus Christ. Saved by the same grace, covered by the same blood. Don't walk with him alone. Join the company of the redeemed celebrating the finished work of Christ the Redeemer. Walk with Jesus daily and gather weekly with His people. Gather with His people. Come together with other Christ followers. I don't know why you came today. I don't know if you came to check off a box for the year or because Grandma made you. I don't know if you came because you feel guilty if you didn't or if you came because you're searching for spiritual answers. Perhaps any and all of these. Let me just be as honest And clear and direct with you as I can this morning. You need Jesus. So do I. You need Jesus. And ultimately, believer, you you need his church. You need community. You need one another, a faith family. Maybe you've heard this message of salvation in Jesus all your life. Maybe you're quite familiar with it, but you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you've never turned and trusted in Christ for salvation. Let me encourage you. Put your faith in Jesus today. And be reconciled to God. Turn to Him. Cry out to Him. Trust in Him. Give your life to Him. Turn away from a life without Him and put your faith in Him. And if you have questions about that or want to express that to someone or need someone to walk that journey with you, know that it would be our privilege. In just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to let us know that during this service or after as well. We don't want to point anyone out. We don't want to embarrass anyone. We don't want to present anyone before others. But we... We want to be available to you, so you're going to have an opportunity to do that in just a few moments. But let me also say, maybe you are searching. Maybe you've been searching and you're still searching. Let me invite you to a class that will begin this Wednesday, Christianity Explained, a six-week Wednesday night study. at 6 o'clock right here on site where we'll be looking at basic confessions of our faith. Who is Jesus? What did He claim? What does it mean to put our faith in Him? I'd love to join you for that time over the next few weeks but maybe you are a believer and you've turned your back on the church maybe you've been burned by the church many folks not been treated well even by followers of Jesus I want to tell you honestly this morning there, there are many good churches in this city praise God for that God is at work in Birmingham there are many good churches right here in this community and I'll say before you honestly I believe that this is one of them so if you have questions about this church family, what it means to be a part of it, I'd invite you to a free lunch, first Sunday of May. I'd love to share with you more about this church through a class we call Starting Point. I'd love to have you come and join us for that time together, 12 to 1 on May the 2nd. But the central truth that we want to hear, all of us, believers and unbelievers alike, that we want to hear from God's Word today is this. Jesus gives access to God, saving sinners, And inviting the saved to know him. So I ask you this morning as we close, are you saved? Do you know him? Do you know that you're right with him? That you have been reconciled to God by grace through faith in Jesus? Are you right with him? You can be. You can be right with him today. Through faith in Jesus. You can know God and you can begin enjoying him as you were made to do today. Well, let's pray together, and then in just a moment after I pray, we're going to we're gonna stand together, we're going to sing a hymn of response together, as we often do collectively as a people of faith, expressing our faith in the Lord, recognizing, communicating, internalizing that Jesus did pay it all for us, and you'll have an opportunity during this time, as we sing in just a moment, if you're wrestling with a spiritual decision, whether it's faith in Christ or anything else, or you simply are wanting someone to pray for you. Know that myself and some of our other church staff and leaders will be available spread across the front here, but this is an appropriate time. You respond as the Lord leads you. We're available to you, but may each of us respond this morning in a way that exalts Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this occasion. We thank you for reason to rejoice and to celebrate as followers of Jesus today, acknowledging that Jesus did pay it all, that he gave his life, that he gave his perfect life, his sinless life in our place as our substitute so that we could be given his righteousness before you in exchange, so that we could be made right with you. Lord, even now, as we sing, as we pray, as we confess, as we respond, may we do so in a way that brings glory to the name of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen.